Only in Jeff Styles America. Hey, folks. Nuka's own Jeff Styles, old El Jefe here with my trusty friend, the Argonaut. And we are getting ready to take another trip to Storyville. He is sanitizing. I don't want that stuff. I don't want your old sanitizer cooties. Man. Man, some of these people be taking this sanitizing thing just all crazy and stuff. No, no, no. They'd be spraying Lysol up in their nasal passages and stuff. All right, here's the deal. Uh, he did say put a, put an IV of Lysol into your arm, right? Uh, if, I, if I heard him correctly. All right. Uh, Storyville, Storyville, Storyville. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. This is phase three of stupid shit that people do. This is the wild, crazy, zany antics of people. We had no idea that this particular topic would, would strike such a rich, rich, rich vein of hilarity amongst folks out there. But I did one just completely off the cuff because I couldn't think of anything else to do that day for a podcast about stupid shit that people do. And then we did another one because the first one proved to be popular. And then I had a whole bunch of my friends who listened to the podcasts out there and they were talking about the stupid stuff that I've done in my life. And I said, get your own podcast. I'll tell my stories as I see fit. And one of the guys that got in touch with me and he reminded, he, he, he did remind me and, and accurately so, um, of a few incidences, episodes that I actually was the central character in. So in, keeping with my sense of fairness and equality and egalitarianism in this world. I'm going to do one today about him because he pointed it out about me. So I'm going to tell one about him. And this is, this is my buddy. I need to make up a name real quick. We'll call him Steve Arino. Nobody will ever be, they'll not be able to figure that for a thousand years. All right. Steve Arino and I, it is 1985. And we decide we're going to take a trip down to the coast. We, we tend to go to Panama City every summer, and we live that salt lifestyle. Trust me, nobody in those days called it the salt lifestyle. How pretentious is that? I did, there was no stickers that says salt life or anything like that. You know, but, I mean, that's just where we went, and we went down and we did, you know, we sold suntan oil, Panama Jacks, whatever it was. We sold uh, condo timeshares. We uh, did any, well, lifeguarded, of course, anything that would just keep us on the beach for another few days. We'd spend the whole summers down there. This time, though, me and old Steve Arino, we decide we're going to take a detour. We're going to go to New Orleans first. We're going to go to New Orleans first. Now, you're a big fan of New Orleans. Yes. Why are you such a big fan of New Orleans? What is it about New Orleans that draws you to it? You actually plan to move there, don't you? Uh, that, that, that's the goal eventually in life. Um, but the food brings me to New Orleans. Aha! And the culture. The music. And the history. And, and the music. Everything. But the food's my thing. It is a unique place. There's no doubt about it. So we're heading down there. We're going to go to New Orleans first. And then we're going to make our way back over to the coast. Or what? Well, not the coast. You know, they, they have a coast, but nobody ever goes there. It's mucky and black and inky. And it's, oh, it, yeah. yeah it's, no, not that. I'm talking about New Orleans. Oh, yeah, oh nasty thing. Oh, crawdads get all up in you. Now, I had just read this book called Jitterbug Perfume. 
Jitterbug Perfume by Tom Robbins, same guy that wrote Even Cowgirls Get the, uh, the Blues. Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. I'll get it out there. And uh, Still Life with Woodpecker and several other things. And he, he was really an incredible writer, but totally crazy, totally insane. And he had this passage in this new book, Jitterbug Perfume, that reads thusly. And I had just read it. I had literally just finished the last page the night before we left. This is the way it reads. The minute you land in New Orleans, something wet and dark leaps on you and starts humping you like a swamp dog in heat. And the only way to get that aspect of New Orleans off you is to eat it off. That means beignets and crayfish bisque and jambalaya. It means shrimp remoulade. It means pecan pie, red beans with rice. It means funky filet herbs and raw oysters by the dozen. It means grillatis for breakfast and po' boys with chow chow at bedtime and tubs of gumbo in between. It's not unusual for a visitor to the city to gain 15 pounds in one week, yet the alternative is a whole lot worse. If you don't eat day and night, if you don't constantly funnel the indigenous flavors into your bloodstream, then the mystery beast will right on humping you, humping your ear, and you'll feel its sordid presence rubbing against you long after you've left town. In fact, like any sex offender, it can leave permanent psychological scars. He's not wrong. That is, that is the truth. And the other thing is that the side effect is you just sweat crazy. You sweat like crazy if you're not eating the food. So... We, we we go 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 say say it. Oh, you walk around a corner and you're like, "Ooh, what's that?" There's something else I can eat. And then you walk around another corner, you're like, yeah, "Oh, there's more else I can eat." Or it's the smell of my own sweat because this thing's humping my ear. So <laughs> we're loaded up. I mean, to make another literary reference, like fear and loathing in Las Vegas, we have tons of drugs untold drugs we have cash wads of cash and upon seeing the skyline of new orleans which by the way if you've never seen it the skyline of new orleans is very very impressive it has some really odd shaped buildings down there we decide the best thing to do we haven't even we don't even know where our hotel is we've got we've got you know a hotel somewhere but we know we've got to eat we've got to eat some cajun creole food immediately but the first thing we're going to do is we're going to just do this one little hit of blotter acid. We're going to do one hit of blotter acid apiece. Now, compared to what we had, that wasn't that much. And we're, we're just down there for a good time, right? So, boom, on the tip of the tongue it goes. Closer to New Orleans we get. At some point, things start getting a little shaky, a little quicker than we'd planned to. We hadn't even found the hotel yet. And now we're thinking, man, I'm beginning to sweat. I got something in my ear. Something, I'm, I'm, man, that thing's on me, man. It's on me. We're beginning to freak out. So, so we we pull over to this roadside stand that sells gator tail. It didn't say anything else. It didn't say shrimp etouffee or Cajun this or Bayou that. It just said gator tail. And we trusted that it would be cooked, and it was. It was on a stick, and we just crammed it in our mouths. We found our hotel room. We checked in. We sat in the AC for a minute. A movie came on. We started getting engrossed. I said, dude, we're in New Orleans. We're tripping. We've got all this stuff. We're not going to sit here in this hotel room. So off we go. And we make this decision. Fateful, fateful decision. 
For those of you who have never done any kind of hallucinogenic drug, keeping up with your stuff is difficult. It really is better to be just a poor beggar wearing nothing but a loincloth than it is to have a bunch of stuff because the stuff means nothing to you. It has no importance whatsoever, but you're going to need it eventually because if you had it, you're probably going to need it like car keys, your ID, money. I mean, I've sat there and looked at money and go, what value does this have to me? And the next day I went, why did I wipe my butt with that money and throw it in the ocean? You know, it just, that was really stupid. And so we decided to put everything of any value in one place, my camera bag. I had a Minolta XG1 35-millimeter camera with an extended telephoto lens, and I had this camera bag, had a good sturdy little shoulder strap on it. We put our wallets, credit cards if we had them, cash, drugs, car keys, everything that was for the rest of the trip, the rest of the summer, went into this one bag. We figured, by God, we'll be able to keep up with this one thing. So we make our way down to the French Quarter. We get there, and we make fateful decision number two. Fateful decision number two is we pick some side street. Looks like it's got about eight bars, eight lounges of some kind, eight signs sticking out. And down there, they got barkers. They got people trying to get you to come into their place. We go, huh. All right, now we're, our eyes are dilated. We're, we're feeling it very strong. We're feeling 10-foot-tall, bulletproof. We're the kings of the world, masters of the universe. We're going to do a shot in every bar on this street. That's how we're going to start our night. We're going to do a shot in every bar on this street. About the third bar, I start messing with Steve Reno a little bit. I've got my camera bag. I mean, I'm holding on to it tightly on my shoulder. I go, hey, Stevie. That guy's looking at my camera bag. Hey, Joe, where? What? What? You said, what? Who, 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 man? Oh, you, you, I'll bust his ass, man. I'll go. And he said, he was, I, he was, he was poised. He was, he was a loaded spring. I was going, all right, ain't nobody going to get this bag tonight. By God, I got this just tiger over here ready to go. Fifth bar. I do the same thing. At this point, something's happened i got to describe very quickly. He'd ordered a specialty drink, and it came to him in the specialty glass. It was big. And as he reached for it, the guy goes, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. And he lit it on fire. And my buddy Steve Marino's eyes get real big, and he's just looking at the flame. And, and the guy goes, well, drink it, drink it. And so he picks up the flaming glass, and he's bringing it closer to his face, and he's holding it away. And he's, he's oh, blow it out, dumbass. And he's, he's so confused. He doesn't know what to do with the flaming bowl of liquid. He finally blows it out, kills it. Fifth bar, right, after the flaming drink, whatever it was. I go, dude, man, a couple guys over looking at my camera bag. He goes, what? Where, man? Uh-uh, no, they ain't. No, man, you just messing with me, man. It's just shoot. Hey, you know, my God, man, take the best with that camera bag. You got to be crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have quite the verve he had a little earlier. It comes back. We're at the eighth bar, eighth lounge, whatever it is. I don't remember any of the names. And at this point, we walk in the place. The barker's trying to get us in. He says, hey, it's going to be easy, man. We're coming right in. You don't have to convince us. <laughs> 
and Steve Arino. It's probably close to midnight now. Walks up to the Barker guy, the bodyguard, the bouncer. Big, gnarly-looking Cajun dude. Barrel-chested, probably went about 300 pounds. He'd been eating gator tail all his life. Steve Reno, he's about 5'9", I guess. Maybe goes about 185. Pretty good condition. <laughs> he, he, he just goes right up to the guy. Goes toe-to-toe with him and just looks him up and looks him down and gets right in his face. He goes, man, I wish you'd fuck with his camera bag. <laughs> Dude, dude, no, no, no. And the guys were getting to puff up. He goes, I wish you'd fuck with his camera bag, man. And I'm like, oh, this is a disaster. I've completely lost him now. The alcohol has somehow shrieked past the LSD, and he's gone into super belligerent mode. And we're going to end up in a fight. And someone's going to take my camera bag because now he's brought attention to it. Everybody in the bar, it's like that scene in American Werewolf in London where they go in the pub and they speak and everybody hears their American accent. They all turn around and it gets quiet. They're all looking at my camera bag. So we walk back out. I kind of chill the dude. I'm not exactly in the best shape myself, but I decide I have to put my buddy in the cab and send him back to the hotel. It hurt me to do it. It did. It hurt me to do it. It was going to be a big night, but he was in no condition. I could just hear those words ringing in my ear. Man! You see, you got to see me when I'm doing this. What am I doing, Jay? So if I said, man, I wish you fuck with his camera bag, man. Well, the left arm is limp. Your left hand's limp. You're, you're tilting your head back, and then you're kind of staggering a little bit. Is that- he, got, he got very slinky-fied. He, his his bones had become very rubberized. He, he didn't have there was there was nothing there was nothing erect in him. There was nothing of any stability in him. Gravity was pulling every molecule of his body in a different direction, and he was feeling the sway. He was that Rolling Stone song sway. That's what he was feeling, and the evil eye had him in the sway. So I get a cab. Put him in the cab. At this point, he's beginning to kind of just fall over. Now his spine is just jelly. And I tell the guy where the hotel we're staying at, I said, I'll see you there in a little bit. End up having kind of an adventurous night myself. I actually did get stalked. New Orleans is a fun place, but you can get messed up down there. And I had this guy that actually kind of ghosted me for a couple of blocks, and he was clearly going to mug me, or he thought he was going to do something to me. That's all I knew. But I made my way back to my little Volkswagen and got back to the hotel somehow. How, I do not know. Don't do drugs, kids. Drugs destroy lives and communities. But I get back, and this is after the, the acid, after the gator tail. The thing was off my head. I, I didn't have the thing humping my ear anymore. That wasn't the least of my worries. And I still had my camera bag. But our night had kind of gotten spoiled. We thought we were just going to just go all night long and get in the car the next day. We weren't even going to sleep in the beds at the hotel. I mean, we're just going to take off to the beach with Panama City, right? And uh, so I go walking back to the hotel about 2 o'clock in the morning now. I'm dragging a little bit, dragging a little bit. I got a little energy in me because of all those chemicals and stuff and and alcohols pulling me up. Now I'm beginning to sway a little bit too. And I'm just walking toward the hotel, and there's this row of tourist buses came from Ohio, I'm sure, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, one of those boring-ass states, just tour buses. 
And I see this silhouette, this familiar silhouette, just in the, the shadows, backlit by one of those old funky street lamps they have down in New Orleans. I'd call it a gas lamp. I don't actually know if they burn gas or not. I have no idea, but it had an odd yellow light. And I walk up my, Steve, Steve. And it's my buddy, and he's standing between two of these buses. And he's been gone now for at least a couple of hours. He's standing between two of the buses, and he's standing there. He's completely passed out. He is completely out. He is in a totally different universe. And he's standing there with his head down, and he is just bobbing just a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, a little bit forward, a little bit backwards. But by God, he was a tent peg. He wasn't going down. And, it, and I had to shake him. I had to shake him awake. And then he woke up. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know who I was. He knew the camera bag was important. That's the only thing he could remember. Got him in the room. End of that night. End of that story. I could go on and on about my own little adventure down there and all that stuff, but I won't do that. But I just, I cannot tell you what it was like to see the transformation of this, this young man that I cared for so much. He was my brother. He was, he was my best friend. And he went from Dr. Jekyll, protective of everything that was important to us, to Mr. Hyde, ready to throw it away with some gator wrestling behemoth from Cajun country for no good reason. With nothing to gain whatsoever except just a whooped ass. Man, I wish you fuck his camera bag, man. <laughs> I'm serious. And so that's what you get when you get in touch with me when I'm doing my podcast and threaten me with some stupid ass shit that I've done. Look out, it's coming back at you.